pastor had asked me to teach when I'm in town and had asked me a particular series that I had talked to him about that I have done before and I've kind of been restudying it and I'm looking at the clock. I have a 45 minute message in about 14 <laughs> minutes. I wish I were joking, but I'm not. And uh, so let's take our Bibles, go to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to dive in and uh, you're going to have to listen fast. <laughs> Just because because I'm giving an introduction today for the, the lessons that will follow. So from Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, we'll look at verses 1 through 3, and I'm hoping we can get through the introduction. And uh, so Hebrews uh, 11, verse number 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, faith. For by it, elder, the elders received a good report, or obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Let's pray and I'll get right into the lesson. Father, help us as we study this morning. I pray you just help us to see some things in this passage of Scripture that would help us in our Christian life today. Help me as I speak, control my thoughts, help me to say what you want said today in Jesus' name. Amen. These are great verses. Hebrews 11 is God's great faith chapter. Uh, it's really God's sermon on faith. And verses 1 through 3 are God's introduction. The rest of the, uh, of the chapter is God giving illustrations to illustrate the truth he presents in verses 1 through 3. And, uh, you know, we often talk about faith. You and I that are saved, um, we know a little something about faith. Um, we were saved by faith. Amen? Uh, many times we say, well, I don't have much faith. Well, you had enough faith to get saved. Amen. Hallelujah for that. Keep your place in Hebrews, but go to Romans chapter 10. These are important verses. Uh, we quote them often when we're out soul winning, but I think sometimes we go through them so quickly, we miss what God's trying to say. I often tell people, if you want to get more out of your Bible, slow down in your Bible reading. Take time to look at what God is saying. Uh, it's oftentimes like we're driving somewhere and you, don't miss, you miss all the stuff around you when you're driving. You're, you're too worried about the crazy people driving next to you and you don't see what's on the side of the road. When you get on the passenger side, it's different. All right? Much the same in our Bible reading. Look at 10, Romans 10, 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. What a wonderful thing it is when we hear the word of God. When the gospel is explained to us, and because of the scriptures, faith is born. And we believe. You didn't get saved hearing somebody's testimony. You got saved because of the faith that came from the Word of God. Ephesians 2.89, we all know it. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are saved by grace through faith. 
It is the faith that saved us. When we talk about faith, uh, we're saying I know a little bit about it, but there's more to it than that. When we talk about a new convert, we say that they're new in the faith. Why? Because for the first time, they believed God. For the first time, they believed what he said about their sin. For the first time, they believed that not only were they sinners, that there was a price for their sin. And they believed what God said about that price, that it's death, separation from God forever. And for the first time, they believed Jesus paid the sin debt. And for the first time, they believed if they would call on him, he would save them. Faith. Let's go to Romans, go to Romans chapter 1. This is an important verse for, for the study. It's the key, really, to Hebrews 11, I think. It shows us what God's trying to explain. Look at Romans 1, verse number 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. We understand a little bit about faith. We understood enough to get saved. We trusted him enough to get saved. Why don't we trust him for everything else? I love what Charles Spurgeon said about faith. He said, you believe in God for your soul, believe in him about your poverty. Believe in God about your sick wife or your dying child. Believe in God about your losses and your bad debts and declining business. Just believe God. It's amazing. We trust him for our eternity, but we don't trust him for our today. We trust him that he's going to provide a, a, a mansion in glory, but we don't think he can take care of a house today. We trust him for the robe of righteousness that we'll have in heaven, but we don't think he can clothe us today. Uh, look at again there at Romans 1. It says, verse 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Here the Bible is describing what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to live going from this faith to the next thing of faith to the next thing of faith. Our problem is we want to live by sight. But we're supposed to live by faith. Now let's go back to Hebrews 11. You want to keep your Bibles handy because we've got a lot of scripture to look at this morning. I prefer to use a lot of Bible. That way you can get mad at God, not me. Because I use His words, not mine. Verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. When I read this chapter, there's one thing preacher that keeps coming back to me. Faith is substance. God makes that statement. Here in this chapter, we see a pattern God uses. He'll make a statement, and then he'll give illustrations. He'll give stories. Spurgeon said that illustrations are the windows that let the light in. It allows us to understand. There are different kinds of illustrations. Personal illustrations, things that happen to you personally. Uh, historical, things that happened in the past. Then there are the biblical uh, illustrations. Those are the ones God wrote down for us. And here the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. Substance is something tangible. Does your faith have anything tangible to it? We'll look at a Bible illustration. Let's go back to the book of, of 1 Kings 17. I told you we are going to use our Bibles. 1 Kings 17. And verse number 1. This is a familiar story. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse number 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according 
to my word. I'm going to pause right here. I, I like to put myself in Bible stories, and this is one I like. I mean, this is one of those, the prophet's standing before the king, and he's really putting his finger in the face of the king, saying, it's not raining until I say so. And God did that. How cool is that? Amen. This is one of the times I wouldn't mind being a Bible character. Those other times, like in the storm in the boat with the disciples, no, I don't want to do that one. Verse number two, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that was before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and fish in the morning, and bread and fish in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass, after a while, that the brook dried up, and, be, and because there had been no rain in the land. Can you imagine the scene? He, he's standing there in front of the king. He's, he's making these bold statements. He's being the bold prophet of God. Then God said, okay, now I want you to leave from here and go to the brook, and I'll take care of you there. And so he does that. He leaves from the presence of the king. He goes to the brook Cherith. Now remember, there's not going to be any rain. And because of that, there's a lack of food. And God gives him water from the brook, and every day he gets what my preacher friend Randy Taylor says, he got buzzard burgers. <laughs> every day, God sends him food. I don't know if you know this about ravens, they don't normally bring food to people. You know, I've often pictured this, you know, the king's in the palace getting ready to eat a steak, a raven lands on the window, he said, what's that? The raven comes in, snatches his, his ribeye, and takes it to the prophet. I just think that's what happened. But I want you to understand something. Elijah's faith to go to the brook produced substance. In fact, it produced more than that. It produced supper. Amen? There was something tangible, something of substance that came because of his faith. I remember when I was a teenager, I worked at Fulton Farms in Troy, Ohio. And uh, it was a large farm. I used to pick corn by hand. Anybody ever pick corn by hand? And you go along. We would, we would follow along a conveyor belt. And we would, we would, with each hand on each side of the, going between two aisles, we'd grab the, the stalks of corn. And with your thumb, you're supposed to push on the, the end of the ear of corn to see how mature it is, whether or not it's supposed to be, be picked, if it's ripe enough. And so you're going along picking it and throwing it in the, in, inside the, uh, the, the, the conveyor belt that puts it up in the wagon. And it's really fun to grab one of those at about 6 in the morning that's got smut on it. Anybody know what smut is? It's the fungus that attacks that. You grab a hold of that and like, oh. And that's when you throw it two aisles over to your buddy over there. But anyway. But I remember we were working there the first day. But the day, we're, we're a few minutes in. I've been there maybe a half an hour. And all of a sudden, boom! This big explosion goes off. They had these mechanical shotguns all throughout the field that would shoot blanks. They were, and they were loud. And they would do that on a timed basis to scare the birds away from the crop. But they don't tell the new guy that. <laughs> Huh! Six o'clock in the morning and people are shooting at you while you're trying to work. Ravens, blackbirds don't bring food. They tear stuff up. But Elijah's faith produced 
substance. Look there, you're there in 1 Kings. Uh, let's continue looking at, at the chapter, verse 8. And the, but in the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there, gathering the sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And she was going forth to fetch it, as she was going forth to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, a little oil in a cruise. Behold, I am gathering Two sticks that I may go in and dress it for thee and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto, the, unto me, and after this make for thee and thy son. And, and th for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. He's by the book chariot. God said by command, go to, to, to Zarephath. He goes. It's interesting, he was at the brook by the command of God, and the brook dried up. Preacher, that was not in his plan. You ever have God change your plan? Ever have God provide for you one way, then all of a sudden he stops doing that? That's Elijah. And, 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 and most of us would be like, like this. See, God, I told you it was a bad idea to come here. You ever been there in your Christian life? You obeyed God, and it didn't work out the way you thought it would, and you got mad at God. But often what God's doing, he's trying to prepare you for something better that he's going to do that's going to give him more glory than he, he got out of this situation. Right. Elijah didn't question. It didn't make sense. It wasn't his plan. And God's saying, I've got another command. You, you went there to, Zer to, to, to the book Cherith. Now I want you to go to Zarephath because I've commanded. Notice what it said. I've commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. See, now not only had God commanded Elijah, he had, Eli he had commanded the widow woman. And Elijah's faith was now being tested. He was to live, as it said in Romans, from faith to faith. He obeyed by faith, but it didn't look like it would work out. His faith produced substance for him. Now this second time when he obeyed by faith, it produced substance not just for him, for, for the widow woman. Think about this. Elijah's faith to obey God to go to Zarephath produced a meal for him, but it also produced a meal for her and her family. His obedience by faith to go to Zarephath produced substance for him and for her and all hers. Had he not obeyed, he'd have gone without. But had he not obeyed, she'd have gone without. Look again at verse 15. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. She and he and hers uh, in her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. 
His faith produced substance for today. But they had to trust God again tomorrow. Notice, she made enough for him. She went back to the cruise of oil and to the barrel of meal, and there was still enough to do it again for her and her son. And then tomorrow they did it again. And tomorrow they did it again. That's how God wants us to live. We, especially as Americans, want it all figured out. We want to have the plan between now and when we retire, and then after retirement, we want to have all that figured out. And God says, that's not what I want. I want you day by day asking for daily bread. I want you day by day going from this faith to the next faith. As Americans and as Christians, we like it all laid out for us. And God says, that's not what I want. I wonder, what has your faith produced What is the substance of your faith? It may be that God's waiting for you to obey. He told you to do something. He gave you some instruction. Now he's waiting for you to obey so he can do what he'd already planned to do. Had Elijah never gone to the brook, the ravens would have never fed him. He had to go there. We don't have time to look at it, but write this reference down. Psalm 133, verse 3. It's an amazing verse. Psalm one, like they're not all amazing verses, right? I don't know why we say that. But Psalm 133, 3. As the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Elijah had to go to the place where the blessing was. Where's that? The spot of your obedience. The old southern preacher says, get under the spout where the glory comes out. Amen. Uh, My good friend Jeff Wade says, uh, don't ask God to bless what you're doing. Find out what he's doing and get in on it. Because God doesn't bless what you do. God blesses what God does. And our problem is we want to do it our way. And God says, no, I want you to trust me. Just like Elijah had to trust God to go to the king. He then had to trust him to go to the brook. Now he had to trust him to go to Zarephath. He was teaching Elijah step by step to go from faith to faith. I wonder what blessings you have forfeited because of a lack of obedience. When God told you by faith, I want you to do this. Our text back in Hebrews 11, let's look at it. And this will be as far as we get today. We're, we're, we're not even a third of the way through the introduction. Now, faith is the substance. The thought I want to leave you with, and we'll, we'll pick this up next week. What substance can be seen about your faith? Our problem is we want it all laid out. God says, I want you to just trust me so that I can do what you cannot explain. I said early in my ministry, I want to have a kind of life and a kind of ministry that cannot be explained. If God blesses us, it's not because of us, it's in spite of us. You read through the whole life of Elijah, why did God bless him? And he was proud, he was arrogant, he, was tend- he tended to get moody, he pouted. I-, I know that doesn't describe anybody in this room. <laughs> now faith is the substance. We'll continue next week on faith is.